This classic Encounters podcast is brought to you by Encounters North. To learn more about our podcast videos and projects and to support our work, please visit EncountersNorth.org. Hi, I'm Richard Nelson for Encounters, a program of observations, experiences, and reflections on the world around us. It is a beautiful, quintessentially Alaskan midsummer day. I'm in Denali National Park in the valley of the Toklat River, a name that's really synonymous with wildness and wildlife in all of North America. <laughs> I'm hesitating because I literally just looked off to my left. I noticed a grizzly bear good-sized, broad-backed, heavy-bellied, pale tan, working its way down a mountain ridge toward me, but it's on the other side of a small draw, and I'm going to go ahead and record here on the assumption that that bear might change direction. If it keeps coming this way, I'm going to have to move. I'm sitting here at much closer range to an absolutely prodigious bull moose. This is one honker of an animal. A great dark chocolate brown bull moose with an immense rack of antlers that's feeding in the bottom of the draw that I mentioned. You may hear a little bit of breeze, warm breeze, it must be 70 degrees, sitting in a patch of very very scrubby dwarf birch and little willows and tundra vegetation. In this area, it's about 2,000 feet elevation, and it's well above timberline, so I have a view of absolutely sprawling dimensions. Looking toward the east, along the road that runs into Denali National Park, up through the valley of the Toklat River with great, rugged, rocky, ridged mountains all the way around. And when I turn and look the other direction, toward the west, there is the immense snowy mass of Denali, the single most enormous landform in North America, climbing high up into a pale blue sky. I am surrounded by the quintessential icons of beauty and wildness in North America. And to add one more thing, about a quarter of a mile upstream from where I'm sitting right now, there's a wolf den that has eight wolves in it, two adult wolves and six pups. Moose once kept company with the great animals of the Ice Age, the mammoths, the saber-toothed tigers, huge, long, vanished animals. Moose are a survivor of that era. Moose crossed the Bering Land Bridge from Asia about 150,000 years ago. They're the largest member of the deer family, the same family that includes white-tailed deer, black-tailed deer, mule deer, elk, caribou. Alaska has the biggest moose in the world. Prime bull moose weigh 1,200 to 1,700 pounds. They stand up to eight feet tall. This bull moose that's standing so close in front of me right now has got to be near the upper end of that. Adult female moose are pretty substantial animals too, 800 
to 1300 pounds. Their color is quite variable. As I mentioned, the one in front of me, a dark chocolatey brown, but they can go all the way from reddish brown to almost black. Their legs are grizzled gray color, very long, slender legs that are good for getting around in deep winter snow, also reaching high for their brows, as this moose is doing in front of me now. He's actually waded in. It's like an animal that is wallowing in salad taller than this moose's head so it's reaching up and as it does I can see that huge rack of antlers swaying back and forth. Grizzly bear moving fairly quickly now toward my left coming down into the swale walking in that swaggering gait, heavy heavy gait. I'm moving a little and uh, you'll hear a little more of the breeze and the microphone. It's disappeared into the willows above me, so I'm moving down to get a little bit more distance between myself and that grizzly bear. There's a bit of distraction here. As I look down across a small tributary of the Toklat River here, on the other side, on a gravelly bank, I can see another grizzly bear over there. They're drawn here by an abundant crop of soap berries, very bright red, shiny berries that you and I would spit out in a half a second if we tried to swallow them but bears for some reason seem to enjoy their taste. Okay, I've got myself in a little better spot. Our big moose has now turned and he's looking straight at me with a benign curiosity. Great dark eyes shining in the sun and now goes back to feeding, reaching up into that tall willow that it's working on. They have massively muscled bodies, these animals, especially the shoulder. It's interesting, the grizzly bear with its great humped muscular shoulder and the moose with the same those big muscles for moving up and down the hills, moving through the snow in the winter. The rump, by comparison, is rather small and slender and looks low. It always makes the moose look as if it's walking uphill. What gives the moose a character like no other animal is its unique and endearing face. Very long, narrow head, big mule-like ears, and then at the end of that long snout, a droopy, mournful-looking, bulbous nose that terminates in a long, flexible, kind of overhanging upper lip. And that's what gives the moose its wonderful look. Most moose also have a dangling pendant of fur-covered skin under their neck. It's called a bell. It's up to about 12 inches long. Nobody knows what this thing is for. Our bull moose has a great wide bell hanging from his neck. Bull moose carry typically a prodigious rack of antlers, up to six feet across and 80 pounds. Most of them are not quite that big. They span about four to five feet, and they widen into a great broad pair of palms, one on either side, that are fringed with sharp tines. I'm looking now down at our moose and see about 10 or 12 of those long sharp tines on either antler. Now this moose, because it's fairly early in the season. Its antlers are still in velvet, still covered with dark fuzzy fur, and those tines haven't 
gone to their sharp, smooth finish that they're going to have come fall when he's ready for the mating season. He's faced directly away from me right now, and his back, what impresses me is the breadth of that back. It's like one of those great huge bulls that people get on and ride, only this animal has much longer legs. You'd have a heck of a time getting on top of that moose. You can see the full body now turned sideways to me, gleaming in the sun, brilliant shining fur, and head swaying back and forth as it works its way through the willows. These antlers are biggest when a bull moose is about 10 to 12 years old. And again, I'd guess that our bull is in that age range. Moose generally will shed their antlers in November after the breeding season, although the younger bulls may carry their antlers all the way through winter. And then they have to regrow these antlers every summer. Imagine this bull with a rack that I think I could lay across it and have the top of my head on one side and my heels on the other. This thing has grown since spring. Antlers grow faster than any other living tissue. Now a look at the Alaska map shows you that this is really moose country. There's a place called Moose Hill, there's Moose Gulch, Moose Island, Moose Point, Moose Valley, Moose Village, and Moose Pass. Then there are places like Moosehead Rapids, Moose Heart Mountain, Moose Horn Ridge, Moose Pasture Lake, and a famous peak just behind me here to the west, right near Denali, that's called the Moose's Tooth. The Dictionary of Alaska Place Names lists a total of seven moose lakes, and 47 moose creeks. We need some originality, I think, in the naming of our creeks here. Moose live in the great coniferous forest that sweeps all the way around the northern world, from Alaska, across all of Canada, and down into some of the northern parts of the lower 48 states. Moose are also found over in Eurasia, across northern Russia, Siberia, Finland, Sweden, and Norway. What place in the world do you think has the highest population density of moose anywhere on Earth? Well, it was a surprise to me to learn it's Sweden, with 250,000 moose in an area about the size of California. Moose, by the way, is a word from the Algonquian language that was adopted by the early American colonists. In English-speaking Europe, what we call moose are called elk. A little bit confusing. Well, moose live almost everywhere in Alaska, from the mainland of southeast all the way up through the interior to the Arctic slope. They're absent from some coastal areas and islands like Kodiak, the Aleutians, and the islands of the southeast. Their favorite habitat is around rivers and lakes and muskegs throughout the interior and recently burned areas that are coming back with abundant willow and birch. Now this bull moose near the edge of the Toklat River is well above timberline and so this moose is in a huge patch of willows. The willows are very very tall so that they're well above the level of the moose's back sometimes as it sort of swims along through this green ocean of willow. And at times all you can see is that rack of antlers moving back and forth as the moose sweeps around browsing on willow branches and willow leaves. Moose 
are perhaps first and foremost an animal of winter. They seem almost impervious to the deepest winter cold. As you're traveling along by dog team or snow machine or perhaps along the road in a car, you'll see them standing among the skeletal willows when it's 60 below zero, surrounded by a cloud of steam from their own breath. Their winter fur is very long and thick, and like the caribou, each hair on a moose's winter hide is hollow to give excellent insulation. They don't particularly like summer heat. They often spend hours each day in the water, keeping cool and escaping from the swarms of biting insects. In that respect, we're very lucky. It's a dry summer, and there are almost no bugs around. I mentioned moose being comfortable in the water. They're in fact excellent swimmers. They've been known to swim more than 10 miles across open water. Not only that, but they can dive in the water. You often see them shoulder deep or neck deep in a pond, but they can also dive as deep as 15 feet to eat plants on the bottom of a lake or a pond. Moose are big eaters, as this one is demonstrating just below me here. This big bull moose feeding avidly as if he's in a great hurry to fill up that huge sagging belly of his. They love to eat these tender green leaves and grasses, the sedges, the ferns, the wildflowers, the berries, mushrooms, water lilies, and other aquatic plants that are so lush during the summertime. Moose incidentally have no front teeth in their upper jaw. They have lower teeth that pinch and crush food against a very thick pad on the upper part, front part of their jaw. In winter, moose live almost entirely on twigs. Willow, birch, and aspen are their staple foods. As many Alaskans know, much to their dismay, if they have moose hanging around their backyards in the winter, moose will also strip the bark from trees. The busiest time of year for moose is the fall rutting season. The bulls will rake their antlers on the bushes. They strut and snort and grunt. Our bull here will eventually rake off the velvet from his antlers and he'll thrash back and forth in the brush and bring those antlers to a high polish. He'll then display those to other bulls and he'll stand broadside so another bull can see the mass of his body. They show off that way. Then they have shoving matches, pushing their antlers against each other to test their strength and establish who's dominant. They very rarely have serious battles, but they often do get puncture wounds, occasionally even serious injuries. Once in a while, a moose will die from those battles of the mating season. The dominant bulls get to do the mating. The bull will stay with a cow who's in estrus or in heat for about a week or so during that period of time. Once the mating season is over, bulls start to pay the price. I mean, they've been too busy and distracted to eat for several weeks. They're skinny and they're totally exhausted when the rut ends in late October. Moose calves are then born about eight months later, mid-May to early June. Cows in Good moose habitat often have twins. Rarely they'll have triplets. That mother moose will fiercely defend her calves. I know that from experience. I remember going down the Huslia River in a skiff one day, a little boat with an engine on it. Here's the mother moose with two calves standing beside the river. She didn't pay much attention at all to that boat. The next day she was standing there, she had only one calf. Perhaps a bear or wolves had taken the other calf, and she was so angry and so agitated that she literally came running down the bank of the river, chasing 
into the water and swimming after our boat. I thought, man, if you ever were walking in the woods and you came across a cow moose who was that irritated, you could be in very, very deep trouble. Never get between a cow moose and her calf. Within a few days of birth, a calf moose can outrun a human and it can swim alongside its mother. They start eating solid food after just a few weeks, but they keep on nursing for four to five months. By the end of summer, moose calves are gaining up to five pounds every day. This is the fastest growth for any large mammal in North America. The calf moose will stay with its mother for about a year, and then it gets driven away when the new calves are born, a rude separation from its mother. Well, there are three predators on moose. Two of them are very close at hand for us right now. One is the black bear. Now, the black bear can only take moose calves. Another one is the grizzly bear, which can sometimes kill an adult moose. Now, mind you, our big bull moose and a heavy-bodied grizzly bear are no more than 50 yards apart right now in the same patch of willows. I don't think our moose cares about that bear because it knows that bear can't do much to an animal this size. Maybe 1,500 pounds of moose here against perhaps 500 pounds of grizzly bear. Every summer, of course, Alaskans read stories of bears killing calves in people's backyards. And one of the things that's interesting about it is it's always treated as a bizarre and terrible thing, but this is how it's always been. Black bears, grizzly bears in the springtime taking moose calves. The only thing that's odd about it is the location. In much of Alaska, moose are a main prey species for the wolf. There's a wolf den about a quarter of a mile from where we're standing right now. This moose has been here for days and again this big bull moose doesn't have to worry about the likes of a 115 or 130 pound wolf. Usually when a wolf or a pack of wolves test a moose they're beaten back by the flailing hooves. Only about one confrontation in 12 ends with wolves successfully taking a moose. It's easiest for wolves to kill a moose if there's deep crusted snow. So the moose is wallowing around and the wolves can stay on top. There the wolves really have the advantage. Moose rarely live more than 15 years. Very few simply die of old age. Well, of course, humans have been the most important predator on moose for countless thousands of years. The Koyukon Indians, for example, who live in the interior of Alaska, have about 15 words for different kinds of moose. Deniga is the general name for the animal, and there are names like Keidza, the biggest bull moose, or Diyazi, which means a cow moose, and Bitsiga Hulani, cow moose with a calf, or Kekoni Dadla, a yearling calf that has left its mother, had that rude separation from mom. So we've got in front of us here Kayidza, the largest bull moose. Gwich'in people who are neighbors just east of the Koyukon homeland are incredibly skillful moose hunters. They know all the best places to look for moose in every area and at every season. They know moose behavior so well they can predict exactly what an animal will do under almost every different kind of circumstance. I remember being out with a Gwich'in hunter and he spotted two moose. The moose very quickly disappeared into a patch of willow and they separated just as they disappeared. The man stopped and he listened carefully. He didn't move. 
And then all of a sudden he took off. I had no idea what was going on. What happened was he had heard the moose softly calling to each other. He ran toward that sound. He very quickly got the one moose, and then he stayed there. He kept imitating the call of the moose. The other one came in, and he got that one too. He knew that when moose separate, they often circle back to find each other and call back and forth so they can locate each other, and he made use of that kind of knowledge. Well, moose meat is the most important staple food in many interior Alaska villages, and of course for many of us who live in Alaska. But also other parts of the animal are used. The hide for making warm, lightweight clothing like boots. And then there's a wonderful delicacy that you can find in many Athabascan communities called moosehead soup. You gotta know exactly which of the many muscles, lips, mouth tissues, and bits of fat to cut from the head to make this delicious delicacy. Koyukon people also believe that a hunter's success depends on treating the moose respectfully. The moose has a spirit, and it's important not to offend that spirit. For example, it's said in Koyukon tradition, never waste anything, never waste any meat, never kill more moose than you need. There's a very strong conservation ethic that is reinforced by a belief in the spiritual powers of the animals. Koyukon elders teach that every animal a hunter takes is like a sacred gift, and you should always remember to be grateful for that gift. Well, by about 1900, populations of moose were severely depleted by overhunting in most of North America. In fact, moose had become extinct in places like New England and the Great Lakes states. Then what happened? is moose were protected completely from hunting, or there were very strict hunting limits in areas where moose still existed. Moose were also helped by regrowth of new forest after the cutting down of the old growth forest or burning of the forest. And then the legal protection of wetlands has also been very beneficial for moose because they love to frequent those marshy, swampy places. So moose populations given these kinds of protections and these changes in habitat, have recovered very strongly over the past century. They're spreading back into areas where they had vanished, places like Maine, Vermont, Montana, Wyoming. They're even colonizing states where they'd never been known to exist before, like Washington, Colorado. There are about one million moose in North America today. That's as many as is estimated to exist when white settlers first arrived on this continent. Well, moose are very adaptable. They even live right in towns, as so many Alaskans, especially people from Fairbanks and Anchorage, know very well. There are about a thousand moose living today in the Anchorage Bowl, according to Alaska Department of Fish and Game biologists. They come in to escape from the deep snow in the wintertime and to munch those tasty plantings around people's backyards. They make people happy and they make people grumpy, depending on their perspective and depending on what the moose are up to. Oh my goodness, just across the little river, about 150 yards away from me, is a black wolf moving quickly right along the edge of the willows. Probably that animal has been out all night hunting, is just starting to head back for home. It looks like it may have a big chunk of meat in its mouth. It's heading back for the den. So here now, is our big bull moose, grizzly bear just up the draw. I can now see the grizzly just faintly at the edge of the willows. And then back behind on the other side of the stream, 
the wolf. And where else in the world can you go to see all this? Actually, the moose has now come out of the willows. Oh, absolutely brilliant against pale green vegetation. Dark, enormous moose swaggering very, very casually and confidently right in the direction of that grizzly bear. I imagine that grizzly is going to have the sense to get out of the way of that moose. I was talking about moose in the cities in the wintertime. Stressed moose, of course, can be very, very short-tempered and extremely dangerous. A few years ago, winter of 1994, deep snow, grumpy moose in town in Anchorage. A man was killed by a moose there. I had an experience once with my dog team. Deep snow, midwinter, going along with my team on a trail, and off to the side of the trail, I saw a moose. Its hackles went up. I jumped off the sled and yelled at the dogs, getting them to run fast. And by the time we got even with that moose, it was coming hell-bent for leather, straight for us. I'll tell you, my heart was beating. And we just managed to get past the point where that moose came out onto the trail. And luckily, he didn't chase after us, just stood there in the trail, hackles still up while I was madly groping to get my 30-30 off the top of the dog sled, thinking I might have to defend myself. But luckily, that moose didn't chase after me. Well, there are other problems in Alaska with moose as well. About 500 of them are killed on Alaska roadways every year, causing also many human injuries and occasionally deaths to people in their cars. In heavy snow winters, moose congregate along the plowed tracks of the Alaska Railroad. In a record year, 1989-1990, 722 moose were killed by trains on the Alaska Railroad. Well, these statistics reflect the fact that moose are thriving in Alaska. They've even spread into new parts of the state over the past 50 years. For example, along the southeast mainland and the Arctic Slope. There was a famous case a few years ago of a moose swimming across icy strait from the mainland toward Chichigoff Island, a pair of moose swimming together, and killer whales came along and actually killed one of those two moose. Now that's an unusual way to have a predator take a moose. Oh my god, that moose is running straight toward me. It's gotten wind of the grizzly bear, and holy mackerel, life is exciting. I'm just going to stand up here right in the open so that if the moose comes up on top of this ridge, it's going to see that I'm a person and not a bear. Whew. Uh, where was I? Well, moose, of course, is very important as a game animal in Alaska. In fact, it's our very most important game animal. Hunters in Alaska take 6,000 to 8,000 moose each year. One adult moose can give you over 700 pounds of delicious, low-fat, organic meat. You know how we tend to judge animals in Alaska not only by their beauty, but by their nutritional qualities. Well, moose have great economic value for Alaskans not only as a source of food, but also as a major attraction for hunters who come from all over the world, for wildlife watchers, for tourists who swarm up here from everywhere, coming from all around the world to see this wildlife, like the things that are in front of me. Holy mackerel, the grizzly just came out of the brush. It's going one way, the moose is going the other. The moose, looking back at that grizzly, kind of shaking his antlers, it's that kind of excitement that makes you feel like the luckiest person in the world to be here in Alaska. 
Over 85% of Alaska visitors say that wildlife viewing and photography are very important to them. They're part of the growing tourism that's now Alaska's third largest industry. It contributes over a billion dollars every year to the economy of the state of Alaska. So here in Denali National Park, buses running up and down this road. I can see one off in the far distance to the east. I turn around, I look at Denali. People have been going out there all day to see the mountain. People have been stopping along this road to look at the grizzly bears and if only they could see what I'm looking at right now down below me. Here's a drama of the most extraordinary dimensions unfolding. And I'm lucky enough to be here. There's no other animal like the moose. It's one of the most widely recognized, most enchanting wild creatures in the world. And one of the most powerful, I'd have to say, as I watch this moose stare at a grizzly bear. Moose are a symbol of the vast, peaceful, alluring north woods. We're pretty darn lucky to share our world with them. And as I speak now, I'm looking right down. The moose is walking right smack past below me into the willows back to its feeding, and the grizzly bear sitting on its haunches feeding too. Where else in the world but in a place like Denali National Park, a place where wolves and grizzly bears and moose continue to live together exactly as they always had. And I'm so grateful that you've been here to experience this with me. Thanks so much for your company. For Encounters, I'm Richard Nelson. I'll see you next time. Encounters is a production of Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka, Alaska. The writer, host, and executive producer is Richard Nelson. Ken Fate is the engineer and producer. Funding for Encounters provided by the Kenneth Johnson Family Foundation, Martha Wyckoff and Jerry Tone, the Leedy Foundation, the Scott A. Nathan Charitable Trust, the Alaska Conservation Foundation, and the Skaggs Foundation. And a special thank you this week to Denali National Park and the National Park Service.